And now, it's the Atheist Experience with Matt Dillahunty and John Icoletti. Rolling intro. So you think that you can tell us how to live our lives. Never questioning the thoughts from which your mind will cause your eyes. You think that suffering is part of some great plan that's been devised. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what will it take for you to start All right. Oh, there's cheering on the other side of the glass. Hooray. Welcome to the Atheist Experience. We are live. Today is Sunday, July 15th, 2018. This is season 22, episode 28, and there's numbers all over the screen and stuff. I'm your host, Matt Delaney. Joining me this week, John Iacoletti. Howdy. The forever treasurer of the Atheist Community of Austin. It seems that way, doesn't it? Yes, and, and membership dude, because I just had to double check whether or not I was still a member. Turns out I'm a member for a long, long ass time. Till the next decade. Yeah. Uh, this is a live call-in program sponsored by the Atheist Community of Austin. You can find out more about the Atheist Community of Austin at atheist-community.org. Uh, and there's a couple of announcements to get to. First of all, the building, this building, the Freethought Library that we own, that we shoot our programs from, uh, is now open seven days a week from 10 to 8 Thanks in part to your support and your donations. The Patreon project's been doing well. Uh, there have been more and more people showing up the building. The after show dinner, which we used to go out to have, we now have here tonight. We're getting some pizza and having some ice cream. Uh, the address is 1507 West Koenig Lane here in Austin, Texas. And if you are an atheist or atheist-friendly person, you're welcome to come down and join us, hang out, see the library for yourself, grab some pizza, grab some ice cream, you know. But you can also go to patreon.com slash theatheistexperience, and that's how you can support our efforts here, because keeping the building running, the lights on, the studio production, making sure that somebody's able to man this place uh, for, you know, 10 hours a day, seven days a week, so that people can come and check out books and do other stuff. We have games we play, and... I, you had me at ice cream. Ice cream, yes. Uh, the other announcement is that uh, while it's still July, it's time to start thinking about September. September 22nd is the ACA's annual bat cruise. For those who don't know, Austin, Texas has the largest metropolitan bat population on the planet. As far as I know, there's about a million plus bats that live underneath the Congress Street Bridge. And in, on September 22nd, we uh, run a boat, a big boat. For, what, between 150 and 200 people, something like that? Uh, 120 is the limit, and we actually sold out last year. So if oh. you're dragging your feet... Yeah, you I wouldn't wait around. <laughs> Remind me when we're done, and I'll buy my tickets. Because uh, I, there was one year where I like showed up at the end, and I was like, oh, I forgot to get my ticket. And uh, I'm just just special enough that John let me on. Otherwise, I would have been screwed. Yeah, yeah, it looks like there's room for about 120 people. And we have a guest speaker, so it's like a it's a partial day event where we get together and our guest lecture this week is going to be you you're, you're going to be amazed because she is one of my favorite people in the movement and they already put the name up they they completely stole, stole it <laughs> mandisa thomas is coming uh to speak at the back cruise so we'll have that lecture and then we'll all go out and you know drink and sit out on a boat and watch the bats fly out at sunset so uh yeah way to way to rush the punchline there guys with the Mandisa, they they couldn't wait either. They're on the ball. We're all excited. 
Uh, and so I can't wait. I hope I hope I'm in town and able to go out because uh, I, I love Mandisa, and you know we're both. Uh, she started Black Nonbelievers and is doing anything and everything. She's on the board of directors for American Atheist. Uh, she just got some amazing You Are the Most Awesome Humanist Type Person Award uh, just in the last month or so, uh, and I love her dearly. So if you haven't heard of her and you haven't met her, um, you should consider coming out for this back cruise because it's going to be a good one. And on that note, I have no other announcements. Do you have any? I do not. You want to just take calls? Let's jump right in. Cool. Um, w this is a live program and we take calls. The lines are all full right now. We try to give priority to theist callers. The program, for those who aren't aware, is about, uh, hey, we're some godless heathens and we live in a world where there's people who believe all kinds of stuff we don't and we'd like to know what they believe and why and have those discussions. Uh, and hopefully they go well and everybody learns something. That's, that's the show. Now that I've told you what the show is, we're just not going to do it today. We're going to call it quits. No, no phone calls because there's ice cream and pizza right. and stuff like that. But No, we have uh, Sam from Augusta has been waiting and helped us out pre-show. Thank you for waiting. How are you? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Hi, Sam. Can you hear me? Yep. Hello. Uh, hello, Matt and um, John. So um, I'm actually on the edge of my faith, and I just need one final push to come out of this, and I'd like to talk to you about God and uh, hell. Okay. Which God and which hell? Okay, so uh, I'm actually a Christian universalist. So when I say that, I mean that I mean um, I don't believe in actual hell. So I believe that everything and everyone really comes to God, including you and any atheist or any other non-believers per se. I'm, I'm sorry. So, uh, can you repeat that? Because I didn't what? quite. There's some. The connection's a little scratchy. I couldn't quite make out what you're saying. Hello? Yes. You can hear me now? I can hear you, but just... I actually don't... Okay, so I actually don't believe in a hell. Okay, neither do we. Um, so, um, basically, I'm a Christian universalist. I believe that everything and everyone will be reconciled to God, uh, including you and any other person. No. Okay, uh, so, so, yeah. so you believe... Your, your view of this is that even though I actively don't believe in God, that we're all still going yeah. to spend eternity together. Yeah, in heaven. Okay, then what, clearly then belief doesn't make any difference. And if everybody goes there... No, uh, yeah, I know. Um, that's, that, that's the major reason I'm calling, because I want to get out of this. It's just that I have a fear in my, in my mind that um, I'm going to be losing out on something in life but yeah i have you you guys have given me a lot of push and i'm here for you for you guys to convince me that there is no god because i am actually at the edge of my that, that's a mistake now. sam it's not up to us or anybody to prove that there's no god the point is you should not believe that there's a god until there's evidence for it agreed and, and so what is it you think you're going to be losing out on because it seems to me that you're already in a position where you're not convinced, but you are acting as if you believe because of fear of losing something. So what do you think you're going to lose? So um, since I was brought up in uh, an environment like that, 
i i have uh, been taught that without uh, god uh, i will be um, i'll be losing out on major happiness and fulfillment in my lifetime which i'll uh, which i won't which i won't get again and that one that's one thing that scares that scares me a lot and um, yeah but apart from that i have read many of i've read your book and i've read uh, uh, a lot of books but basically i'm i i i'm finding it really hard right now because i don't know what to do well the thing is okay you're worried that you're going to miss out on some happiness in life but do you have any reason to believe that that's the case no okay then to me it sounds more like a threat it it, it sounds more like hey you'd better keep pretending that you believe or acting as if you believe otherwise your life's going to be bad and that to me sounds like a threat yeah i agree well then in that case for me and everybody's got to make up their own mind i'm not going to be threatened or bullied into believing something that my mind can't accept um it, it's it's just not even possible so as i said um i i i don't believe in a hell so it makes it even a lot weirder that uh i i i i since my childhood i have been brought up to believe that um uh jesus saved everyone on the cross including you including me and including every human being ever and uh, we're all going to go to heaven and it sounds like a nice fairy tale to me but it, at the end of the day it isn't realistic yeah i think if you went i don't I think if you went and talked to a bunch of other Christians, you would find out that they think that that's a fairy tale too because uh the orthodox models do not hold this notion that everybody is going to go to heaven. That's that's a rather unorthodox position. So you've already been taught a a kind of unusual version of Christianity and one for which there's not only no evidence for but no good reason to believe. It's like hey, we're having a contest and everybody wins. Um so why would you ever buy a raffle ticket if everybody's going to win? I agree. And uh one one more thing that I'd like to tell you is I've actually attempted suicide two times because uh I used to believe that earth is a horrible place and that if I actually pass away I can go to heaven. Now it seems also logical and I'm just realizing what I had actually done. Well, I am very sorry to hear that and I I hope that you get some help, but one of the things is if you're worried about missing out on happiness in your life and you've already attempted suicide, um it doesn't seem to me that that the religion that is supposed to be giving you happiness is doing what it says it's going to do at all. Yeah. And so the first thing, setting aside what you believe or how you label yourself or anything else, um I very much want to encourage you to reach out to somebody to talk about suicidal ideations and things like that um because if the religion that you've been taught is true then this life is just a place to wipe wipe your feet before the real life begins but if it's not and and this is the one and only life that you're going to get then it has immense value and you should be working to make sure that this life is as good for you as possible not trying to leave it to get to the better world thank you i i i just wanted to clarify because i was in such an emotional trap at that time and 
Right now, I am at the edge of my faith. I am in the literal edge of my faith. And um, Matt, um, I'd like to ask, I'd like to thank you first because you and Mr. Uh, Christopher Hitchens and all these debates that I've, that I've seen um, have convinced me otherwise, but I agree with you 100%. For, for me, it seems like a threat because I feel that I'm missing out on happiness. But thank you so much for, for just letting me know. Oh, thank you. And I'm going to let um, John see if he has anything to add, but I, I would encourage you to also find a local secular group in your area. Uh, Skeptics at the Pub, Oasis, Sunday Assembly, a local atheist community like this so that you can engage with like-minded people so that you don't find yourself feeling alone because um, you're not. But Okay. So, uh, so I guess I'm an atheist now. Thank you, guys. Hey! Thank you so much. Hey! And you got a huge round of applause. John, I don't, you, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like you went over the edge just now during this call, but I, I was going to say, in your case, your universalism actually, I think, helps because you don't have the fear of hell, and I think that holds people back the, the most. Um, and, and having the fear of just not having a happy life, fortunately, that's, that lends itself to testing. Yeah. You, you give up your religion and you see... You know, how's my life going? You can check in, say, well, did the, did that did giving up my religion actually make me more unhappy or less unhappy? And you can see what happens. So, and and also, I'd like to encourage you to to recognize um, atheists. Be, being an atheist doesn't mean that you're going to live some wonderful, happy life that no bad things are going to happen to you. Bad things happen all the time to all sorts of people. I mean. Uh, Recognizing, what? Hello. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hello. There's some kind of echo or whatever. Uh, but I just want to say that having reasonable expectations about what life is and what it's going to be is one of the keys to making you actually happier. It's religions and and other paradigms set up false expectations. The the notion of true love, that you are going to find your soulmate and live happily ever after. This is a fairy tale that sets up a, an, a level of expected happiness that you're unlikely to ever reach. I mean, maybe somebody finds that, but by and large, that's not the way life works. And if you have these unrealistic expectations, you're going to find that you're constantly being let down. Now, it doesn't mean that you should throw out all your expectations and, you know, go the lowered expectations route so that you're constantly happy and surprised. It just means what you expect of life needs to be evidence-based and reasonable. There are going to be great things that happen to you and bad things that happen to you, and that's true for everybody. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for making me realize that this life is very important and I will not get another chance. And I have to make the most out of it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. Uh, before, I go, before I go, I'd like to ask you for some book recommendations I have, uh, for me to actually start reading right now. Well, it, it would depend on, I don't know, what, on what subject? On atheism, because I'm new. Uh, and I've actually read uh, three books about the subject, but yeah, any other. I've read uh, God is Not Great by Christian Perchins. I've read uh, The God of Illusion, and I've read Sam Harris's book. What's your Sam's book? I can't figure the name out. I'll tell you the books that I recommend most often. There's a book called Enumeracy by John Allen Paulos, 
which is has nothing to do with religion or philosophy. It's about how bad we are at math and statistics and uh, things like that. But it gives you. Okay, wait. Uh, can 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 I write it down? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what is the book again? It's called Enumeracy. I n n u m e r a c y. I n n. Okay. Bye. John Allen Paulos. P a u l o s. Um, okay, got it. I recommend that one. Guy P. Harrison has a book, Fifty Reasons People Give for Believing in a God," which I think is an excellent primer for everybody to, you know, kind of get started and think about these uh, issues. Um, uh, can you repeat that, please? Fifty Reasons People Give for Believing in God" by Guy P. Harrison. And by Guy P. Guy G U I P. Harrison. Okay. Um, Got it. And then there are a bunch of others, but get started with those. And the best thing to do uh, is, you know, I'm sure that the various other hosts and co-hosts have different books that they'd recommend and reading lists. You can always email tv at atheist-community.org, and maybe some other people will chime in. And maybe I'll throw a bug in the ear of. Uh, people on the board and everything else, maybe we should have a recommended reading list page on the website uh, with some of the books that various hosts recommend just to make it easy. But I appreciate your call, Sam, and welcome back to reality. Matt, uh, so you were uh, making an announcement in the beginning uh, that uh, you could buy tickets for some uh, something that you were going to do in August. In September. September. Uh, what is that about? How can I find out? September, September 22nd is the back cruise. You can go to atheist-community.org. That's the website, and they'll probably put it up at the bottom of the screen. Uh, and it should be there on the list of events and calendar and possible to buy tickets there. Okay, so uh, I can buy tickets, right? Because I'll be coming down to Texas in another two can, months. Can you see the screen? Can you see the screen right now, Sam? Oh, yeah, I can. Yep. Yeah, I can see it. There's the website for the back cruise tickets. And yeah, if you can come join us, that would be great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for getting me to reality. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. Oh, there it goes. That's the a FSM. sign. That's a sign from the FSM <laughs> that it is that it needs to be replaced by a smaller FSM. Perfect. There you go. Uh Awesome. We got Michael in Vancouver. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, so I don't really want to have a, a debate. I was hoping to have a quick co-inquiry to uh, know what the truth is. Okay. Um, I saw that uh, debate that you had with Jordan Peterson. That uh, wasn't a debate either. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that, that was just two people sitting on stage talking. Yeah, okay. That's That's great. Well, I, I thought he wasn't bringing his best game that day, and I think he had a point that he was getting around to, but just at the end of it, he was just starting to get into it, and I think he, he, he just didn't get to it. So I, hopefully I can, without being too presumptuous, hopefully I can stand in for him for a few minutes and see where we can get to. Okay, because uh, I, have, I have, in, in multiple listens, not seen the value of what he was actually saying, but go ahead. Yeah, well, let me give it a shot. I, I think that uh, religion and philosophy and perhaps psychology all point toward 
an underlying, well, to use Jung's terminology, archetypes of reality. Of course they do. And Sure. So, so in a way, the, the physical world, and by that I include uh, all manifestations of individuation and of that which has become, so ourselves, if we're thinking of the mind, you know, thoughts, emotions, the body, the world, this is this is that which has concrest or or crystallized from what actually is. And so I don't like the word God too much, but I occasionally use it. I think most people, when they say God, they mean the source from which this all comes. I prefer to use God to mean that to which there is no other. So all of this that we see is, let's say, God at play, if if we are to use the word God, and and I certainly don't mean an old man with a beard by that. I, I what I mean is the the archetypal forces of nature, you know, laws of nature. If you why, why call it God when the vast majority of people who have ever lived have a notion of God that is not what you're using? Why call it God? I exactly that's why I hesitate to use it, and I, I use it occasionally just because it's sometimes it's difficult to find the language to stand in for the word God, but I'll try and avoid it. Okay. But that doesn't mean, so I've seen this with other people in Jordan as well. The fact that you can't find the language doesn't mean that you should butcher the existing language because all it does is add confusion. I'm agreeing. Of course, religion points to archetypes. Of course it does. Yeah. Because it comes from us just like every other superhero story. I agree. But I agree. my only concern I'm is best not to use God. My only concern is are the stories true? If you just want to say religion's right. a big metaphor about us, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's exactly where I'm coming from. But that's so, not where Jordan's coming from or if it is he's he's failed to be clear about that in any useful sense. Well, I think that's where he, where he goes off off the rails. He I think he intends to use religion that way but he gets wrapped up in it a bit. So what I mean, and see, I think I'm a little bit of a, let's call me a humanist transcendentalist, right? So there's a little bit of me, oh, and let's not call it woo-woo, but a little bit of loosey-goosey thought in there. So hopefully, I would probably call it woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you're advocating for things that are not manifestly demonstrable in reality, then I think I got to call it woo I, I hope I'm not, but I'm I'm advocating for things that are not necessarily easy to perceive. So I guess what I'm trying like to do what? is say, that, well, I think we need to step outside of the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, uh, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. What do you, what do you call it? Who was the, the guy that came up with uh, the theory of light? Newton. Non, we, we, we tend to get stuck in Newtonian visions of reality. So that's not remotely that's, an answer to my question, which is the same thing I run into with Peterson and Chopra and all the others. What I asked I was, what are you advocating for? And your response was, right. I think we need to get out of the Newtonian mindset. Give, give me a second. I'll, I'll expand on that. You know, like quantum physics and, and Einstein and that has kind of expanded our vision of what is compared to Newtonian. I mean, Newton was a genius, but geniuses have stood on his shoulders. And so we see matter in the Newtonian framework as the primary base of reality, when in fact matter comes from what they call the Higgs field, right? So it's a, it's a crystallization of 
this underlying non-local field. So, so far, so far, we're still nowhere near what it is you're advocating for. And you've talked about nothing that isn't physical and demonstrable. Well, I guess what I'm what I'm advocating for is that I think that we get stuck within a view that that what is and I'm loosely using matter as a stand in for that is the prime reality when, in fact, I think it's a reflection of a more real reality. <laughs> uh, that, that's the most absurd thing I've heard today. It, it's literally, oh, no, it is literally meaningless. When I ask you what you're advocating for, and you're talking about that you suspect that there's something that's more real than real. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, ma- no, you, you twist my words because you're saying that. that I'm, I'm pretty sure if we rewound it, we'd find I wasn't, but go ahead. Well, what I'm saying is that matter is not the prime reality. It's a secondary reality. And we tend not to see that. What the hell? Okay, that has nothing to do. Even if it's even if that's the case, that has no. no, Oh, my God. What are you advocating? What is this transcendent thing that you are advocating for? Because what you literally said, or I shouldn't say literally what you said a moment ago. Yeah is that in much the same way that a matter that matter is a reflection from Higgs you think yeah. that the that even that is is essentially a reflection of something that's more real than real no 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 I didn't say that I, okay I, what, I, what is your point what is your point well my miss okay my point is that let's say archetypally speaking there are the forces of well Peterson would say chaos and order I would say that what he sees as chaos is actually the force of, uh, let's call it life, or not. I don't mean biological life. I mean the. I am now completely disinterested in anything you're saying. Okay, well, that's, that's too bad. I thought we could have a good conversation. Why? Because I care about what is, and I want people to make yeah, claims. And I, I want people. To, no, you don't. I want people to make claims. I want you're wrong there, but <laughs> no, I'm not. And if you let me finish, I'll point this out. I care about what's real, and I, when I'm talking about people making a claim and backing it up with evidence, what you're giving me is speculation about metaphor and trying to point to it as being real. Do you have any evidence? I don't think so. Do you have any evidence to back up the the word salad that you're throwing out about metaphors being real? Well, okay. Are you are you familiar with the dual slit experiment? I yes. Yes. Okay. So, essentially, that says that the underlying reality is, let's call it vibrational, and that no, the dual slit experiment is an observation. It's not making a proclamation about an underlying reality. This is you reading stuff into stuff. You are reaching conclusions. You are inferring things from the actual experiment. The experiment just provides data on what actually is. Now you are hypothesizing about the the underlying metaphorical substrate in the same way that Peterson does. Well, uh, what's your interpretation then of, you know, they say that if you do not read which slit it goes through, that what exists is, I, I would call it informational, they call it vibrational usually. And then if you do read which slit it goes through, it then, you know, Copenhagen interpretation says it, it concresses into matter or or drops down into matter from a, you know, from a potential field, it becomes matter. 
I have no explanation. Uh, I have no thought. I have no consensus opinion to point to. I have the data. And, I'm not, and if you have a particular interpretation of that, you have to make a case for it. And the fact, when, why on earth would you ask me well, what my interpretation of this is when you are calling in to advocate for your transcendent blah 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 Well, when I say transcendent, what I mean is that we get trapped within the model of, of materialism. That's not what transcendent means. That's not what transcendent means. Okay? Can you actually communicate what your idea is and then provide evidence for it? And can you point to how the hell this matters at all with respect to an atheist program? This is not a science program. This is about whether or not there's a God. Right. Well, I, I believe that, that the, the, the reason that we fabricate gods is to try and point at the most realistic version of reality that we can, and that that includes more than just matter. I'm not saying it includes anything that's not real. I'm just saying that there are forces that result in matter that to ignore is like being trapped within your thought process. I don't know if you see what I mean by that. I, what you've just said is that humans don't understand everything, so we make shit up. That is what you just said. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for calling in to say the thing that we've been saying for 20 years on this show. You just, you just totally hacked what I was saying, though, but... <laughs> Well, that's basically what it amounts to. I, I have trouble with this not notion really, that I have, really. I have trouble with this notion that we're trapped and and we're stuck because uh, you can either demonstrate that this other reality exists or you can't. So to say that we right. just don't see it because we're stuck, well, we don't see it because there's no manifestation of it. There's no there's nothing to show us that this. Well, sure, matter is the manifestation of it. Mat matter is the manifestation of what? Of, I would say, the principle of, I don't have a better word than you, you don't. You don't know what it is. You don't, you, if, you, if you want to say matter is the manifestation of X, and when I ask you what X is, you can't say, now you're just engaged in speculation. You are, you are desperately trying to find a way to fit humanity's concerns with gods and things like this into a model that makes sense. When the truth is there are billions of people who literally believe that there is a, an, a thinking agent that is timeless, immaterial, and perfect, that is the source of morality that they go and donate to their churches and worship for and legislate on its behalf. This, this intellectual, vapid exercise that you are engaged in along with Peterson of let's find a way to make God fit into some metaphorical archetype so that we can explain away something doesn't match what almost any actual theist believes. It is useless. Mm -hmm. It is speculative and useless. Okay, well, whatever. I, I mean, I, let me just... Whatever. All right, fine. If whatever is your response, can't worry about saying goodbye. Uh, here we go. We got James in Louisiana. James, are you there? Hi, how you doing? Good, thanks. Hi, James. Yeah, hi. Yeah, I, I actually agree with a lot of what Michael was saying. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of quantum physicists that also agree with him as well. Uh, but I'd what be I surprised. What Michael on is, uh, he, he said that, uh, he doesn't believe that there's an intelligence behind it. 
And um, uh, Brother Michael Diamond and Brother Peter Diamond of the VaticanCatholic.com, they can go ahead and provide evidence behind uh, to show that there is an intelligent agent. There is an intelligent. No, they can't. That's causing all of this. No, they can't. Manifest. No, they can't. And for example, I'd gone to uh, the atheist experience <laughs> uh, uh, Facebook page, and I posted uh, a, a video from uh, Brother Peter Diamond, uh, which gives evidence for God. It's uh, the video "Information Proves God," and in about five minutes, it was removed. So I don't understand it. I mean, or I don't know. I don't know what Facebook page of evidence for God. I don't. I don't know what Facebook page you were posting it to, um, or why, or who removed it, or anything else. But do you really think that uh, when in the thousands of years that we've been dealing with this, um, that the evidence for God is going to show up in a YouTube video, and that there's not going to be a Nobel Prize and all these quantum physicists coming forward to say, "Yep, we've proved God." And what, and well, that's that's rather strange. That well, that's rather strange because you you can't have scientists proving God because God is outside of the natural realm. You you just so you just said, saying, well, "Well, we can prove the supernatural because the supernatural evidence does not conform to scientific study." Okay, so you can't. Then say, oh, the, well, okay, you, just, you just you just James uh, James 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 evidence. you just pointed to a video. Where these two people proved God, right? Right, from supernatural evidence. Well, that's horseshit. You, you don't prove. No, no, no. You don't get to presume. James, James, you don't get to presume supernatural. If there's not a scientific demonstration, and all science is, is, a, is, is an, is an ex. James, James, all science is, is an exploration of what is. There's either evidence for something or there's not. You don't get to manufacture an entirely. You you don't get to manufacture an entire James. You don't get to manufacture an entirely new discipline based on the supernatural to claim that you've proved God without actually a demonstration of the supernatural and the efficacy of the method that they're using to prove God. It's like, hey, science can't do it, so we'll make up some other crap that can. Well. Let That's, me ask you this question. Uh, okay. I don't know what your uh, belief is with regards to unidentified flying objects. Are you familiar with the that they're ad- unidentified. UFO that was caught on video? I, 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 my belief is that there are things that haven't been identified, and that's why they call them unidentified flying objects. And the people who are claiming that they've identified them as aliens are in violation of the actual name of the object and haven't presented sufficient evidence. Oh, I didn't say there were aliens. I'm, I'm just asking you, are you familiar with the Tic Tac video? The uh, Air Force had released it. It's a 2004 video in which the jet fighters were chasing this apparently unidentified flying object that uh, no, was moving I, much faster I, than the jet. I may or may not have seen it. I don't know. It doesn't ring a bell. I've seen lots of things like okay, that. But you would, you would agree that uh, this gives credibility to uh, these things existing. Whether to, to what things not, existing? That to what things existing? Unidentified flying objects that are uh, maneuvering much faster than any of our aircraft that's no, in the sky. Um, so first of all, I already acknowledge there are plenty of unidentified things, but uh, that video is not sufficient evidence to determine what the hell that is or what it's actually doing. 
Well, that's not my question. I asked you if it tends to give credibility to it. No, not without more evidence. Oh, well, it, the thing is, when you ask, when you, James, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. When you ask, does it tend to give credibility to it? Does it tend to give credibility to what? To the fact that there are unidentified flying objects that are seen in the skies that are maneuvering faster than any jet aircraft, military aircraft that we have. No, because you used the word maneuvering, which, in, which infers that it's an actual uh, craft doing something and that there isn't some other explanation for the craft. Oh, never claimed it okay. Craft. Do you understand the impetus, the, the, the impact of the word maneuvering? Birds maneuver. Do not birds maneuver? Yes. They're agents. Does something non-agent maneuver? Well, this thing did maneuver. I mean, it, it did speed up. It slowed down. It changed course. That you, would be considered maneuvering. You view that it as maneuvering. You view that as maneuvering, but you don't get to infer that it's maneuvering. Oh, so, so in other words, when you actually witness maneuvering, it's not maneuvering. No, when you actually you witness, no, James, no, you dishonest ass. When you witness something that looks like it's maneuvering, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is maneuvering. You have to demonstrate that it's maneuvering. That's the point. You're assuming it's maneuvering. Oh, I see. So when you see a drone that's maneuvering in the air, it's not actually maneuvering. You of course it is, because I've seen a drone Drones are an unidentified okay, so object. Unidentified flying object that's maneuvering against the wind. It stops and then it turns direction and then it goes up and then it comes down and then it goes the opposite direction. That's not maneuvering? Correct. Wow. <laughs> okay. I think Matt Slick would uh, say you're being very illogical right there. Like I give a rat's uh, ass what Matt okay. Slick says about anything about me. He doesn't understand skepticism. He doesn't understand the burden of proof. He doesn't understand when you have sufficient evidence to, read a con to reach a conclusion. The fact that something appears to be maneuvering is not in and of itself sufficient to conclude that it's maneuvering. That's the point. It may well be maneuvering, and it certainly would give you justification to investigate further to find out, is this maneuvering or is my observation incorrect? Is there something else going on here that I don't understand? But Well, well let's get back to God. If, if, please, because I don't know why the hell we were talking about UFOs in the first place. Okay, well, let's say someone appeared to you. They look just like Jesus. What the hell does Jesus look like? Just from all the paintings. Just like <laughs> all the paintings look different. And if all the paintings of Jesus look different, there are black Jesuses. If you go to the the Salt Lake City and the Mormons, they have the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. You, nobody knows what Jesus looked like. So you, he, your very, your very basis of saying, I, I saw somebody that looks like Jesus, you start off, oh my God, James, you start off with this notion of, oh my, I'm going to hang up on you if you don't stop. You start off with the notion that I saw somebody who looks like Jesus when nobody knows what Jesus looks like. There's not a consistent thing. And there's a question as to whether or not Jesus even existed. Well, whether that, that has nothing to do with my point. My oh. point is... Oh, my God. If you start... Jesus. I'm putting your ass on hold. If you start a sentence with, let's say you see someone who looks like Jesus, you don't ever get to come back and say that has nothing to do with my point. If that's the case, then you are absolutely the worst at communicating your point. You literally said this, and I responded to it.
Okay, well, let's say this individual that claims to be Jesus, okay. he tells you, I'm going to give you evidence that I'm God, okay. and I'm going to go ahead and snap my fingers, and all the stars in the universe are going to disappear, all the galaxies and stars. Okay. Then he does it, and then he says, I'm going to break them, reappear tomorrow after all your scientists analyze that the universe is gone, okay. and the next day he snaps his fingers and he does it. Would you tend to believe that? There is credibility, at least, that this is God. I would believe that the individual in question was able to demonstrate an effect that they said they could do. I wouldn't know how or why. It wouldn't prove that they were God. There would be more to do. How does but, it make them God? But it's amazing and intriguing. And the day that something like that happens, then I will have to stop taking stupid calls with hypotheticals that have never, ever happened. But you didn't answer my question. I didn't ask you if you would believe that he is God. I asked you if you would tend to believe that there is more credibility to his suggestion that he is God. Well, it would depend on what... Is there more credibility than the person who snaps their fingers and nothing happens? Sure. Okay, so then you're admitting that supernatural evidence tends to give more credibility to the idea that what the Bible says is true. No, no, God exists. no, Spirit no, 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 Captain Illogic, let me finish. Isn't this amazing? I'm, ad, I'm, ad, oh my God, is this really what you think works, that you have to trick fuck somebody into making your God seem reasonable? All, all I acknowledged was that if somebody came up and did something that amazing, that it would certainly lend more credibility to their claim that they have other powers. But I did not in any, at any point acknowledge that something supernatural occurred because I have no way to demonstrate that. I have no way to tell the difference between something truly supernatural and something natural that I don't understand. I didn't acknowledge the supernatural. All I did was say, hey, a dude that can snap his fingers and make the universe go away and then snap his fingers and bring it back. Yeah, that would add credibility to the notion that that person has perhaps some powers. But it doesn't. The fact that it adds more credibility to something doesn't mean that it's reached a level of credibility to reach a conclusion about what it actually is. Any sufficiently advanced uh, technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's Arthur C. Clarke. This is the foundation of skepticism. And the fact that you're going to do, oh, if somebody came in and did this, wouldn't that give credibility? Aha, you just admitted that a demonstration of the supernatural would lend credibility to God. Yes, a true demonstration of the supernatural would lend credibility to God. Call me back when you have a true demonstration of the supernatural. I have plenty. You have, have zero. Plenty. You have absolutely zero, which is why you came up with we this bullshit. This is why you... you we go, have the Shroud of Turin. Oh, we my God. Goodbye. This is why you came up with this bullshit hypothetical. Because if you actually had a demonstration of the supernatural, you would just present it. Just like the guys in the video were trying to do when they can't use science, but they'll use the supernatural. Yeah, the Shroud of Turin's a fraud. Go read Joe Nichols' books. We have the Shroud of Turin. We have this. Those aren't miracles. Those are observations. You, it, the fact that you have an observation that isn't explained doesn't mean that you get to call it supernatural. You and Mike Lacona would be great friends because Mike takes everything he can't explain and dumps it in a bucket that he labels supernatural. And then he holds up the bucket of crap that's unexplained and says, look, there's all the supernatural stuff, which means this other supernatural stuff that I'm claiming is reasonable, too. That is exactly what he did in our debate about the resurrection. So you're in good company with somebody else who doesn't understand evidence. 
Sorry, John. I kind of stomped all over that. That's all right. Did you, did you notice he took he made a leap between the stars going out and that saying that the Bible is true? Yeah. How do you get how do you get anything about the Bible from somebody making the stars to go out? I don't I don't get that at all. Well, there's that's what I would. Ask. There's a verse you can go to that might get to that, but uh, this this became such a ridiculous stretch that. I don't know. We have the Fatima miracle and the Shroud of Turin, but I don't know what else was on his list. Yeah, probably Lord's Miracle Water and the time that Jesus helped him find his car keys. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. We have Michael in San Diego. Thanks for waiting. Hello, Matt. Hi, you're on with Matt and John. Hi. Okay, hi. How are you guys doing today? Pretty well. Well, how are you? Good, good, good. Uh, thank you for giving me this chance. And if uh, if I'm not clear or if my voice not clear, please ask me to repeat again. Sure. And uh, for any delay, if I'm cutting you off, just let me know because I don't want to cut you off, you know, because of the delay. Sure. Okay. Uh, Matt, first, uh, I'm a believer. And uh, I believe in God because, you know, I'm still open to everything. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. But I'm open, you know, what, whatever is going to make sense to me, I'm going to follow. I'm not going to be a believer because this is what I've been told. I like to discuss stuff and open my mind and think about it. Okay, okay. cool. Uh, first, uh, before we get to this discussion, I just I want to ask every believer who calls the show not to use the Bible as an evidence of the existence of God. Because the Bible means nothing to a person who does not believe in God. So either the Bible is correct or the Bible is not real. In either case, the Bible cannot be used as an evidence of anything. Anybody can write whatever they want to write to prove their point. So the Bible can be one of these books. So I want them, I if, they, if they try to call, you know, the show, do not use the Bible, do not use to any you know, like supernatural thing. It can be hallucination. It can be, you know, attributed to anything or explained by anything other than real evidence. I have a degree in science and have been working in science for 20 years, 25 years. So I really go what evidence is or what makes sense to me. Maybe it, it is almost clear, but you know what? I say, you know what? I see that makes sense to me that God exists. Same time, it does not make sense to you. I have to respect you. I have to respect you. have to respect me. And we're good, you know, but I'm not going to push you to believe in God through my book because my book means nothing to you. So I just asking like whoever caller believer who calls, just, 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 just save your time and save the show time and focus in the point not to prove something that is supernatural or something through the Bible. So, so what okay? reason, what reason should somebody believe? Okay, this, this is that's that's the reason I am calling. Like I said, I gonna explain, express with you what made me believe in God. I'm not gonna talk about Christianity at all because that's not the point. I just wanna know does God exist or no? If He does exist, then we'll go forward and see which God to believe in. And if He does not exist, then I do not care about all this religion in the world. So I gonna express, I gonna discuss with you what makes me believe in the presence of God. Okay. And you can tell me I am correct or I am wrong. Uh, 
First, you hear me good, right? Yes, yes. Okay, first, every time when somebody calls, you ask them the proof of the existence of God. And from that point, the people start thinking about the answer. Everybody does this. But no one ever thinks of the question itself that proves about the existence of God or proves that God exists. What a proof is, like I need to think about the question first before I get to an answer. What a proof is, for myself as a scientist, and I'm going to ask you this question. Do you believe, or do sorry, do you agree, Matt, do you agree with me that you and I and many other people believe in things, real things in our life, although we never or no one ever sees them? I will try to see the question a different way. Like you and I, you yourself believe in things that you never see in your life and no one else other than you have ever seen it. But you believe in it, I believe in it, other people believe in it. And when I say seen, I mean visual. Yes. Like somebody, they believe. Yes. So you agree with me that you believe in things that yes. you've never seen? Yes. Correct. So this is one thing. So, so the idea of proving that God exists because we have to see him, that's not a proof. Agreed. Because, right? Agreed. Because, like, yeah, God could be there, but without, without anybody sees him. So the fact that we have to see him or make any visual thing with him is not a proof. He might exist, although no one ever see him. Agree with me? Yes. Good. So that saved a lot of time for me, and that's great. Then I go to the next step. With let's say about like I always I always like I always love the background that you have, like the background of your show with these buildings, you know, like like the downtown style. When I look at one of these buildings, I know there is an engineer. For sure, there is an engineer behind every building of those. Do you? Why? Do, why do, I'm sure. Do, yeah, right. Do you know why when you look at those buildings? Correct. Yeah, because those, I'm telling you why, because I know there is an engineer because 100 or 200 years ago, this building did not exist. And there is an evidence, there is somebody with a name and somebody watches this person building this building. So this building, 100 years or 200 years ago, in this location, there was no building. Yeah, but that's, right? that's, not, that's not why. Okay, what else? It's because you have mountains of direct evidence of people designing buildings and zero evidence of buildings forming naturally. Correct. Correct. Okay. I agree with you 100% about this too. Okay. I agree about this. Now, for somebody science, and like I said from the beginning, we might end the call is that I, you cannot convince me I cannot convince you, but at least, you know, we are discussing the evidence. For somebody... Well, we haven't discussed like any, we haven't discussed any evidence yeah. yet. We're we going, we go, like, I'm getting to the next one now. Like, since we agree that God does not have somebody have to see him, that's not an evidence. What other proofs? Then we're going to see the effect, like I use the building as an example. For myself, as a scientist, 
I have a law in science that we follow. Energy and matter cannot be created, and the word created does not mean created by a God or not God. The word created means, like when I'm talking to you now, I cannot create a matter, I cannot create an energy. So energy and matter cannot be created, they cannot be destroyed. Correct. Whatever whatever the theories that we have today, which is the most one, which is the Big Bang theory, whatever the thing is that was from the beginning, it was a matter, it was an energy, it was an electron or proton, you name it with any scientist you want to discuss it with. He's going to tell you there was something, and from this something came everything. While the same theories that I've been told in schools, and all the, over the people who's listening to us now being told is that energy and matter cannot be created. We cannot bring them. So what's the explanation for a scientist like myself that can explain to him where these things came from? If the same science that I use, they say that there is no physical evidence in this time when I'm talking to you now, that proves we something that come up, come out in our nature or in our universe by itself. And same thing, it cannot go to a complete destruction. So for me, for me to believe that God does not exist, I need to find an answer from any scientist. You've already made a mistake. Okay, say it, okay, show me the mistake. The, the, you said for you to believe that God does not exist. Um, the point isn't to believe that God does not exist. The issue is, is there good reason to believe that God does exist? And until such time as there's good reason, you should not believe. And so when you look at, when you look at uh, the origins of the universe, for which we don't have, for which we don't have a, uh, any, any sort of necessary concrete explanation, we don't know what would have happened before, or if before is even a sensible question. It would seem to me that if you began with matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, they can only change form, then you would have to reach the conclusion that whatever the explanation is for the change in state that resulted in what we describe with Big Bang cosmology right now, whatever it was, it already existed. That essentially there was something there. Mm -hmm. That We don't have a case of something from nothing. We have a case of something from something. And we just have a barrier beyond which we can't look. And even if you reach the conclusion that that wasn't possible, you still have no explanation for it. You don't get to say, oh, I can't think of anything else, therefore God is the explanation. I agree with you. Okay. If you agree with me, then why did we talk about buildings? Why did we talk about energy and matter when neither of those can lead to the when neither of those can lead to the conclusion that a God exists? Because we have two things. It's either one of them. There is no third reason. Either God exists or God does not exist. There Correct. is not a third thing. Correct. So but that's independent. If, if, that's independent. That's it's true. That's it, independent. But for, no, no, no. For, Mike, Mike. Go ahead. go ahead. It's true that either God X exists or God X does not exist. Those are the only two options. I agree. That is completely independent of whether or not we have good reason to believe that a God exists or whether we have good reason to believe that no God exists. 
Correct. A trauma person, this, this is the difference between one person to another. One person no, 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 no. It's not just, this is not just a per, difference of person between one person and another. This is about whether or not there is sufficient evidence to reach a conclusion. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. The, 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 this is the thing. It's one person, one, it, because, by the way, this is, this is in science too. This is a mesh. There is something called that when you start something, you get with the error and try. So here when you go on error and try, is it the error and try in this situation? I have no idea what you, you just said. Think, okay, the error and try is try to see what I do something and see what's the error. And from the errors that I get, I try to fix it and reach oh, the next error on try. I reach. Yeah, correct. So now for a person like myself, I want to know. I, I want to find out, does God exist or does not exist? I want to get an answer. Yes. I'm how do you do that? Now that we're 20 minutes into this call, how do you do that? Like I said, doing this, I ask my first question. If there is an explanation, right now I hear two people talking. An atheist, when I ask him this question about the universe, the first question that I ask, I have other questions. The first question when I ask, it, when I ask an atheist, the atheist has no answer to it. So if what? Ask, so what? Correct. So what? That's, that's it. This is the answer I'm looking for you. So what? But when I ask a believer, it tell me, yeah, because the reason there is a creator. That doesn't it make the answer right. Well, does not an, it, no, it does not make it an absolute answer. It doesn't make it correct at all. It could be made up bullshit. The fact that somebody says they have an explanation for something t- doesn't tell you whether or not it's correct. So how do you get to the point? How do you get to the point to reach the conclusion that their explanation is correct? Okay, now when we're taking the explanation, either it is correct or not, our real question, how we taking it, it is correct. When you, you are sitting down right now in a desk, talking through a mic, microphone, it made up same materials, same material as you and I are made of. Some electrons, some atoms, same thing like you and I does. Is it immoral? Is it immoral? To break the microphone you're speaking through? Is it immoral to break the desk you're sitting through? Of course, no. But it's immoral to kill a person and sometimes kill animal or plant. So what is the difference? If this is material and this is the same material, if we're talking about absolute material, this is the material. We are made of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, water, blah, blah, blah. This material in front of you made of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, blah, 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 blah. Why it is not immoral to break a microphone and break a human? What's inside the human? Nothing. Is not nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Here's the thing. So, okay. so here you've gone down yet another track. All I'm trying to do is people, you start with the origin of the universe and people say, hey, the atheists don't have an explanation for it, but the theists do. And we point out that that may not be correct. So we then ask you, how do you go about determining if that's correct? And then you go off on a thing about morality. Okay. But... That's a completely, that is a, Jesus fucking Christ. That is a complete, that is a completely different discussion. Okay, can you, can you answer me why you cannot break if now what's in a man in the creation of a human? Uh, do I say the word? There is nothing about a human being. There is, you have, oh my God, can I finish? This is about the basic foundation of what morality is. And morality is about assessing the actions 
of individuals with respect to the consequences that they have on thinking beings. Morality is something that we make up. All we're really concerned about is the well-being of thinking creatures. And this is determined by the physical facts of the universe. That if you cut off my head, it's not in my best interest. If you feed me a well-balanced diet, it is in my best interest. If I, but also it could be immoral for me to break this microphone, by the way, and this desk, since I don't own them. They belong to somebody else. So now I'm doing harm to somebody else and somebody else's property by doing that. You have oversimplified morality. And your entire diversion here is when we ask, how do you tell whether or not these people are correct when they say they have an answer for the explanation of the universe? You then shift to, oh, there must be something special about humans that allows for morality. Yes, it's called a brain and empathy. And what does Good. that have to the do with brain, how the universe was... The brain and the empathy. Great. I yes. can use the same words that you used in other shows before. If I create you a robot, a robot who has a very good brain, like we make inside it a brain, that it's going to think as a man. Yes. And, if ro- and, 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 and hang on, this is easy. It may be the case that artificial intelligence and robots get to a point where they are part of the moral equation. Mm-hmm. Okay. But till now, till today, till this happened, till this take place, and I see it, and we all experience it around us. If you own this microphone, you can really, thank you for using this example, because you did not own the microphone, so it's not more. You can own a microphone. Yes. You can break it, but you cannot own a human. Sure. Well, well it, technically, you legally can. It's immoral to do so. But it's not about, it's not just about ownership. The fact that somebody else, it's somebody else's property is what necessarily made that wrong. There are other things where it might be nobody's property, and it may be still wrong. But so you, you now, now you brought up artificial intelligence, and I pointed out I could create a robot, and if it was sufficiently mm-hmm. advanced that we considered it a, an independent, autonomous thinking agent, it may then enter the moral equation. And the fact that I created the robot doesn't change whether or not I can do things with it uh, with respect to morality. Correct, but this is the end. In the, like, the end of this question is: you do not believe that human have life inside them? No. What? <laughs> life isn't a thing that is inside. Life is a description. Okay, what's What's inside the human different than the microphone in front of you? If you talk about chemistry, yeah. we're made of the same material. Well, no, no, we're not made of the same material because my chemistry is made up of self-replicating DNA and a number of other processes that don't exist in a microphone. But the DNA, as I said, your DNA is made up of a nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen. A microphone is made up from those materials the same. So even your DNA, when it created, it did not create. There is nothing in the predictable called DNA. There is a nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, carbon get together to create the DNA. So this DNA made up of material is just because some material get together, made something like yes. a microphone. Yes. Some material came yes. together, made a human. Yes. A and so what? How does this get us any closer to the, okay. to the thing that I've been asking you for 25 minutes about whether or not there's a God? That's what I said. In the beginning of my call, I said, I believe in God because there are more things. When you say that was the evidence. What evidence now? We you have, have not presented that. evidence for a God. That's why I'm asking you, Matt, now, what an evidence for you means? If you believe that the visual thing is not an evidence, an effect that you do not see, but there is an effect around us. Like you cannot what effect? What effect? Us. Michael, what effect are you seeing? What effect are you observing 
that you are claiming is best explained by a god? I saw two things. I saw I saw two effects that we have, and till today it's never been explained by an atheist, but can be explained by. No, it can't. No, it can't. No, it can't. I cannot believe you're an actual scientist saying this. So you you observe something. You observe Michael. You observe something, and you say it can't be explained by an atheist, but it can be explained by a theist. No. You observe something, and it either has an explanation or it doesn't. The fact that somebody claims that they have an explanation does not mean that they have an explanation. I asked you specifically, what is it that you have observed that is actually explained by a god, such that it would lead you to the conclusion that there's a god? Last chance, or I'm hanging up. What is it? Okay, before okay, this last chance before you hang up, so you can so you, like like I, you can make it clear to me. So next time when I make another, there's not going to be a next time if you stall for ten okay. more seconds. Okay, what an evidence mean to you? What does evidence mean? We just we I have... just asked you a question. Yeah, what's the evidence? I'm asking you what's the evidence or what the proof is so I can look it up. If it is not visual, what else do you look for? Well, you're trying to explain to us what convinces you that there is a God that exists. Because having an answer, no. an ancient Greek would, tell, would give you an answer to how lightning comes, comes about. Is that lightning Zeus, is something that we can see. But Zeus throws lightning bolts was their explanation. Does that mean that there's a Zeus? No, it, 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 that's a meaning. Okay, when you say Zeus exists or does not exist, is it because somebody saw? No, why are you so hung up? Imagine that I'm fucking blind. Why are you so hung up on one of our senses? I'm talking about observations, evidence to support a conclusion, and you keep going back to whether or not you can see it. We never said that we have to see something to I acknowledge that from the get-go. So what else other than seeing? Tell me so I understand and the people, the color, and what others that can consider to you to be an evidence. If something is that you can see is not an evidence. No, no, no. I didn't say, Michael, I didn't say, this is so fucking confusing. I didn't say that something you can see cannot be evidence. Of course, something you can see can be evidence. There are all sorts of evidence. Anything, any information that enters my brain that is accessible and confirmable counts as evidence, but the question isn't whether or not, or what, what counts as evidence, it is what evidence is sufficient to reach the conclusion that a God exists. And I've been asking and asking and asking and asking, and you have yet to present even, even an outline of what evidence would... Goodbye. We're just asking you, as a man of science, what convinced you, and we could never get a straight answer out of you. It was... Um, it was, let me give you another lecture on another, another diversion. Hey, we went microphones from, aren't people and correct. And, and theists have an answer to the, how the universe came about. But correct. That, they have a response. Yeah. It's wild. All right. Um, we got Mac who's been hanging on for a while. How you doing, Mac? Hey, I'm good. Can you guys hear me? Yes. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, uh, uh, John and Matt? Doing great. Holding on. Good. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'm a little nervous right now. Uh, <clears throat> I I think you have the notes that, and I'm sorry, I think there's a delay on it as well, so I don't, you know. There shouldn't be a delay on the phone. The there shouldn't be a delay on the phone. Okay. 
Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if the screener put the notes in about what I want to talk about, but you know, the reason I called, uh, you know, uh, other than that was because, well, essentially, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty new atheist and I'm also African-American. So I kind of feel like I'm part of two minorities there. And as far as my inner circle is concerned, I really don't, to my knowledge, at least, know of anyone I can actually discuss these thoughts with. So I do have a main point that I want to get to, but you know, I don't know how much time we have left. But if, if it's all right, if I could just sort of tell some of my story leading up to that point, uh, if you allow me to do that, that would be great. Sure, go ahead. Sure. So like I said, um, you know, I'm African-American. I grew up predominantly in the black community. And uh, as far as I know, you know, all my family, all my friends uh, were Christian. And, and I don't know if you're, uh, you know, I don't know if you have a good perspective on what that really means in the black community. But uh, being Christian, uh, as part of the black community, is noticeably different than, I guess, the mainstream. It doesn't feel like, you know, a bunch of people, you know, made a choice. And I, of course, what you believe is a choice is product of, you know, the different aspects of your life and everything. But it it doesn't feel like it's part of a list of options that you had. It it feels more like it is as part of you as your skin color or your... It's a de facto identity. It's just it's so ingrained in the culture. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, just kind of being brought up that way, people don't give you the benefit of the doubt that you may be something else it's you're automatically seen yep. as you're christian so you know you know ask what religion you are ask what church you go to you know things like that exactly um so you know growing up my whole life i was religious uh never the type to you know walk door to door um or you know give public testimonies of my faith or things like that but i always definitely believed god was real and lived my whole life around that belief um, but where it started for me was, um, you know, as a kid, I was sort of always a lover of science and, you know, natural world and all that. I loved asking questions. And I remember the, the first real time that uh, I had skeptical questions. I was probably between eight and ten. Um, it had to do had to do with the idea of heaven. Yeah. You know, I always I was always told that heaven was this perfect place and, you know, you never be sad again. It's always happy, no fear and all that good stuff. And so sometime as I was thinking about that, I just go, hey, you know, it's going to be great when I get to heaven. Uh, but wait, what if I, you know, what if I die as an old man? Am I going to stay an old man? I w I'd want to be a kid again. So it's like, sure, I'd probably be able to do that. Of course, you'd be able to have a choice like that. But, you know, what about all my friends? Are they going to want to be kids again? Maybe they want to stay old men and women. I, you know, I don't want to play with, uh, you know, old people. So, you know, just kid thoughts like that yeah. that um, sort of came up. I thought about and it just led to more and more questions. Um, you know, even when it came to science, you know, like I said, I, I never really uh, fed into the fundamentalist ideas of rejecting things that we have demonstrably proven, like um, evolution, for instance. You know, back when I was a kid, I guess it was way more controversial than it is right now. But I never had a problem with it. I learned the, I learned the science. It made sense to me. And so I kind of, instead of changing what I was accepting to be 
true about you know the sciences i sort of had to tweak what i believed on the other side so i would say things like god must be the biggest and wisest scientist of all and you know that's how i would sort of yeah. help with what what i've learned um so you know fast forward it's even close to my point fast forward uh you know a few years uh down the line more than a few years but you get what i mean um i was on my way to my mother-in-law's house for dinner and I got there a little earlier, so I was just waiting in the parking lot, and I decided to browse YouTube. And I remember this video I saw a while ago. It was this uh, satirical take on the Garden of Eden story, and it's kind of funny. It was animated, and for some reason, I just wanted to watch it again. So I started, you know, typing in keywords, you know, like Adam and Eve and animated angel, baby. There was some character that looked like that. And so I found it, you know, as funny as I thought it, you know, as I remembered it, and I saw that it wasn't just some kind of standalone video. It was actually made by some YouTuber named Dark Matter 2525. Yep. And so I kind of, yep, I clicked on his, um, clicked on his video and I saw he had a, well, I clicked on his channel and I saw he had a whole, you know, number of videos. And I started, well, I didn't start at that point. It was, you know, when they did or whatever. The next day at work, I probably didn't get a whole lot done because I was just kind of going down that rabbit hole of, watching those videos and really that was the precursor to me um stepping over the line of uh, uh theist to atheist in a way but eventually that led me to you know how you go those, down those youtube journeys and you get all these uh videos you, you can end up in incredibly strange places if you if you just keep <laughs> trailing on down video after video yeah, yes, you can. But in this case, it was a good thing because I stumbled on a guy named at the time. I had no idea who he was, but it was a guy named Sam Harris. I you know, definitely know who he is now. He was giving a lecture on end of faith in New York. And I watched the video. And when I was done with the video, I was no longer Christian. I, I can't say every jot and tittle of my faith was gone after that, but yeah. I definitely was able to reflect in those few minutes and say, wow, I, it's, it's like all this stuff came you know, there was the surface level stuff that never really broke through. But after I finished that video, it kind of had. And so I would say 78% of what I held on to as my faith left me at that point. And so after that, I just was obsessed with reading the books and watching the videos and trying to learn as much as I can. Um, you know, one of the first things I actually did was I actually decided to read my Bible because I <laughs> understood if I was going to be... <laughs> If I was going to be, that's something that I never did growing up, you know, cover to cover. I, I know that most Christians that I would, you know, call my friends and family haven't either. And so if I was going to say that I don't believe this stuff in this book, I was at, I was at least going to be honest enough to say I actually have read it. And I can say that and don't, and, you know, not feel like a hypocrite at the same yeah. time. So, you know, I did that, read some other books, you know, got introduced to the, you know, Four Horsemen. Um, you know, Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, and Dennett, um, you know, the Trinity, you guys, so that you, Matt, and I know that you like to stay humble with these things, but you know, you, you are, and I've been watching you for a long time. You are definitely one of my intellectual heroes. Um, I know that you tend to say that it's not you that did it. It's me. And I agree, but you were definitely a precursor to that. So I really appreciate you and, you know, and Tracy and John and, you know, everyone else, Jen on the show, because that was a, you know, atheist experience was a big part of at least being able to, in my mind, um, 
sort of illustrate valid thoughts and points to why I believe this way instead of the other way now. Well, well, thank uh, you. That, that gives me that's very kind, and we're always happy to hear that what we've done is help people. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I appreciate it. I've been trying to get on the show for so long um, and talk to you guys about this, and I get to my point now. So I am, I am married. I have two kids. You know, my wife is great. I love her. I love everyone. To, um, the problem, of course, is my wife is very, very religious. Her entire family is very, very religious. Probably, you know, a good chunk of them are are or have been practicing ministers and you know it's just so interwoven into the um the meta there that you know it's, it's hard to escape and like i said i don't really have anyone i can talk to about it so it's tough going for so long and just having all this stuff built in and being basically being somebody you're not anymore it really it really can get to me and um you know over the over the we've been married for a couple years now and um excuse me we've been married a couple years now and what i'm wondering is how exactly do i approach her with this and come out because i you know i've been putting this ready for a long time and it's just getting to the point where i i literally can't do it anymore i'm gonna explode if i don't you know come out to at least her and it's hard because I feel like I've been on this, as far as my thought process of how she's going to take it, I feel like I've been on this spectrum of, you know, at one point I'd say, oh, she's going to divorce me immediately to, you know, oh, um, maybe maybe we can work something out and she can see my point of view, you know, depending on the you know, conversations that we've had since the last time I thought about it and just different uh, different things like that that would affect whether I think you know, the way I think she'll react to it. And, um, how, excuse me, what I would love to hear, of course, is for me to tell her and then for her to say, um, you know what, I'm, you know, I love you so much that I'm not going to let this get in the way of our marriage and our family. And we're going to, we're going to figure a way to work this out. But that kind of seems like pie in the sky thinking sometimes. So, I, th that's my. That's why I called to try to get some advice on how to approach this. Cool. Boy, that's that's a tough situation because we don't know your wife. <laughs> um, I don't personally have much experience coming out to family because I've never been religious, so it hasn't been an issue to me. I know Matt has, um, so it's it's hard for me to kind of put myself in your place. I think. It sounds like you've done some thinking about how she might react. And it kind of all depends on what kind of fallout you're prepared to deal with. Uh, there's nothing wrong. Lots of people who are atheists or even questioning their faith uh, stay in the closet for a while until it's safe to do so, uh, depending on what the consequences are. Uh, a lot of people who have come out have you know, suffered pretty bad consequences from family and from community and uh, from their entire support system. So it's kind of something for you to, to determine what's, what's the fallout going to be. And am I willing to deal with those consequences? Yeah. There's a few bits of kind of advice. First of all, there's, um, I think if you just Google atheist Charlotte 
you'll find uh, charlotteatheist.org. I know there's a number of other groups in that area. I've actually gone into North Carolina to do talks and stuff. Um, Greta Christina has a book on coming out, how to do it, why, and she interviewed a bunch of people who came out. There's a lot of really good information in there. That's the first book I always recommend to people when they're uh, talking about the coming out process. My standard thing is to just be you and to answer the questions honestly. You know, when I would avoid the A-label in an initial conversations, be more like, hey, I don't believe the same things that I did before or um, and, and to do, to, re, you need to realize that you are the person in the relationship who has changed, but that doesn't make it your fault. And so you're going to have to be, uh, a little more conciliatory to your wife. You're going to have to understand that she could have any number of responses. She could, you know, lose her shit right away. Um, she might need some time to think about it. She might tell you, you know, I've always been suspicious and didn't really believe all this stuff in it either, which is what has happened to some people. Um, it's mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to the coming out, I always recommend that, you know, like John was saying, be ready, be sure you're ready to face all the, the possible consequences. Um, there are very few people who in the long run have regretted, uh, letting people know. And, I think, you know, I'm, I'm always reluctant to give too much advice because at the end, you've got to do what's right for you. But I think if you've got a good communicative relationship with your wife, that letting her know that you still love her, this isn't about her, this isn't about rebellion, you have, through your investigations, come to no longer believe something you believe and that you want her to know because she's part of your life and that you want to... Uh, do everything you can to make sure this doesn't, you know, severely impact your relationship. I, I know couples who have made it work. Um, and I know ones that haven't, but the other thing to remember is, uh, well, I guess, I guess I'll do this here today since we already mentioned it on Facebook. It's not like marriages don't fail all over the place. Anyway, I I'm currently in the process of getting divorced. Um, and I married an, an atheist. You know, that's why one of the reasons I was noting earlier this this fantasy that we're we're you know fed about finding the perfect person and living happily ever after. You, you have to you have to deal with reality on reality's terms, and you have to do the thing that's right for you and for your kids and your wife. I mean, you, you do have kids, right? Two kids. Yeah, yeah. You said that uh, they have to be the priority in this, and the decisions made have to be done with respect to their life. Um, and, and I don't have any doubt that you'll do that. You guys, I'm, I'm sure you both love your kids. I'm sure that you guys are, are going to find a way to work through it. And the only thing I continually say is don't do the big, please sit down. There's something important I need to tell you because all that does is build up in a, a drama ahead of time. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, my wife is a pretty reasonable person. Um, I want to say with everything except religion, we, you know, I've, I've tried to bring up conversations before, but I didn't want to get too into it for her to be suspicious of why I was actually talking about these things. But, yeah. um, you know, I've come to the conclusion that she, I think she told me at one point that she believed the Bible literally. And so, 
you know, immediately I'm thinking, oh, great, this this isn't even going to be, this is definitely not going to be the conversation now. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about that. But I, I've met a lot of people who say they believe the Bible literally. And after a few minutes of conversation, it turns out that they're using the word literally figuratively. <laughs> and, and we all do that. I almost did it earlier today. I almost did the literally you said. Uh, literally is one of the most overused words. And, and often, and I don't mean to, to suggest that your wife or anybody else is being disingenuous, but the fact is I've been around believers my entire life. And there is one thing that you will find in almost every, especially fundamentalist believer, hyperbole. I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I literally believe everything in that book is fine. There are no errors in that book. There's no contradictions. There's no this. It's, it's all exaggerated because there's a fear in every believer that the uncertainties and the questions that they have and the things that don't quite make sense, that that could lead them to where you are, where I am. And in order to defend against this fear, the solution is to exaggerate. The solution is to say, to just let me, let me take all those uh, fears and concerns and, and, and I'm put them in a box and straight out of Book of Mormon and crush it uh, by exaggerating how confident I am in things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what was I going to say? It's, I don't know. I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, it, I guess that doesn't matter too much and there could be a little, uh, little loose use of the definition literal there. Um, the, the other thing about that but, with, you know, with the literalists, they're the ones that are essentially prime targets um, to have, to, to get them, to convince them that they are not the justified in their belief. The more moderate, liberal, non-literalist people, they've already rationalized away the problems. The more fundamentalist and literal someone views, for example, the Bible and Christianity, the easier their beliefs are to attack because they are making assertions that will crumble when faced with facts and science and, you know, sound epistemology, which is why the guy that called in earlier that wants to not argue with the Bible and not, you know, argue necessarily for Christianity, he just goes to this vague God. It's the same reason that when I'm in a debate with a prominent Christian theologist, they very, very, very rarely defend anything doctrinally, anything about Jesus or Christianity specifically. We keep having this same debate of, is there a God? And they defend the most abstract notion they can because it's the best they can possibly do. And in the interpersonal stuff, when people who aren't actually experts or people who have just been raised in their religion all the time, not only are they going to engage in this hyperbole, but when you, with, you know, some love and compassion, explain to them why you don't believe the thing that they believe, there are ways to have that discussion where it can be incredibly productive to either say, okay, well, we just don't agree, or I'll think about that some more. But you got to remember that she's going to feel under threat from the very beginning. And, and that part is on you, not your fault, but you have to own yeah. it. Yeah, I know. And that's why I've been trying to basically prime my brain with uh, explanations and discussions and uh, counter apologetics and anything I could think of to be able to address anything she might come up with, which is kind of why I've waited so long. I mean, I've, I've made these soft deadlines, uh, you know, like, you know, when my wife is pregnant or oh, after she 
gives birth because this is too stressful. I'll tell her. And then, oh, no, wait, let's wait till he grows up uh, at least a few months, you know, so it's not so hard to take care of him if something like that was going to happen. And, well, no, it's uh, now, well, after I read the Bible, then I'll be able to, you know, now be ready to do it. But then I kind of thought, well, maybe it's just because I've never had this conversation before with anyone. So if I'm able to do that, maybe, you know, and, and not do it in the comfort of not thinking that somebody's going to lash back out at me, then I'd be comfortable in having a conversation with her, which, you know, is why this was sort of the hard deadline. I wanted to have a conversation with somebody first and then I tell, um, and you're right. I've, I've heard the line of think I'm not going to, you know, do the big dramatic sit down. Let's have a talk. I, I have another to YouTube or whatever. I have a weird suggestion for you and this. This is entirely up to you, but this is, this is the first time you will have had this conversation with anybody. And there's a process that you're getting ready to start. I think it might be interesting, if you have the forethought to do it in the time, to keep a diary, even if you don't normally, over this period of time, about the nature of the conversations, the responses, because I think that could be useful to other people as, here was my experience with dealing this, and also, it can be useful to the two of you to look back and say, hey, you remember when we had this, you know, knockdown, drag out fight over whether or not, you know, Adam had one fewer rib than Eve or whatever, you know, that it gives it gives some some grounding to this conversation because you're not the only one who's going to have this conversation for the first time. And that could be incredibly useful to people. And I, I think of that because people will ask me to recall, you know, how did this interaction go? And I can barely remember because our memories are flawed and because we repaint things. Like I, I know there were conversations I had with my mom that I am now actively misremembering um, just because we don't have the full notes of it. So just a thought. Yeah, I've never considered that, but that sounds like a great idea, actually. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Well, and I would also and say... I, I know we're coming... I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I would also say there's no reason to be in a hurry um, I, you know, it's good to, uh, I mean, I understand that you want to be your authentic self with your wife, but you don't want to put her on the defensive either and, and have her think she needs to fight against it or talk you out of it. So I think your idea that you mentioned earlier of floating little trial balloons, you know, Hey, what do you think about that? Do you, do you think the world is literally <laughs> flooded higher than the mountaintops and where did all that water go or whatever, just to kind of see, feel out you know, when it comes down to it, what does she, what does her logical, skeptical brain think of, of these things that she's been taught? And, and, and avoid the, you know, I don't believe any of this stuff anymore. What do you think? Cause yeah, that's, that's yeah. like a bombshell. And, uh, and that's yeah, not going to help. Right. I, I'm going to be careful in parsing my words, but, um, um, I tell you though, Mac, yeah, I guess. So we've run out of time for today, uh, but I do want you to, you know, as you go through this process, touch base with us on occasion. Let us know how, how things are going, because I think that stuff like this is going to be useful to a lot of people who are watching the show. Uh, yeah, we try to priorator, prioritize uh, theist callers, but we're building communities and communities of people who are, have let go of religion. Um, and I think stories like yours are, are important to everybody. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely 
keep track of what's going on because, you know, I'd love to be able to help somebody else in this situation, like, you know, the same way I've been looking for help in this situation myself. So, I, you know, I really appreciate you guys taking my call. It's been a long time coming. Uh, like I said, Matt, you're, I can't even believe I just have a conversation with you. Um, and so, yeah, thank, thanks for uh, having me. Then your standards of evidence are a little too high because it actually happened and there's a recording of it. But anyway... <laughs> I appreciate you, Mac. Please, please keep back in touch with us. I, thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks, Mac. Good luck. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. And on that note, we are going to stick a pin in it uh, for this week. Both John and I have uh, been dealing with fluish, coldish, crud stuff, which might be why I sound a little funny today. Um, but we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks to all the people on the other side of the glass for hanging out in the studio audience where we're going to have pizza and ice, ice cream, cream, social stuff. And the people on the other side of this wall that, the crew. that are right there who make the show happen. See you next time.